Good morning, Alamo City family. Welcome. God bless you for making the choice today to tune in and be a part of, of our time together in the Lord's presence. Wherever you may be, Jesus is. Whatever you're in the middle of, he has the ability to conquer. He has the ability to bring you his peace in the middle of your storm. We're praying that all of our days have not necessarily been marked by great challenges and, and long stretches of midnight. But even in those places, even during those times, our, our confidence is in Him, not in our ability to uh, work ourselves out of it, but our confidence is in His ability to make His presence known. And when we have the sense that He is here, that I've not been abandoned, that he, that he hasn't gotten distracted and gone off to tend to somebody else and left me in the, in the middle of my mess, when we have the sense of his presence, there can come to be that sense of joy, that sense of rest, that sense of peace. And that's what we're trusting he's doing in your heart. This very moment, this very hour, God bless you for being a part of the Alamo City streaming family. Now this morning I want to introduce to you a brother who is a testimony, who is a proof of the power of the living Jesus Christ to change a life. Now not saying that he had fallen off the deep end somewhere and he was, uh, he was beyond retrieve in a sense. It wasn't that at all. It was just that, that as a professional athlete pursuing a goal that he had had as a, as a young boy, he found himself in a place where he knew he needed something more. And the something more was not a something. The something more was a somebody. And that somebody's name was the Lord Jesus Christ. I came to know Rich many years ago when we first moved to uh, San Antonio. The gunslingers, the football team, the gunslingers were, were operating in San Antonio and Rich was the, uh, the starting offensive center for the gunslingers at that time. I heard that his name was Garza, and then I came to find out that he was from Pennsylvania. I didn't know there were any Garzas that lived in Pennsylvania, but yes, there are. And a uh, wonderful family, wonderful group of brothers and sisters with the same last name, Garza, that were all kin to Rich. And have gotten to know a good many of them as time has gone on. He and Jan, he married Jan, and um, she's a native San Antonian, and I, I'm, I'm sure that that, uh, that was a big reason why they ended up staying in, in San Antonio for these years. But Jan is a radiant Christian, a radiant sister in the Lord. She, she is such a tremendous um, partner to, to Rich in, in the ministry that God's given him. Now, here, here's what I want to ask you to do. If you, if you know of somebody that, that's into sports or, or somebody that, um, you know, that knows about self-discipline, knows about pushing themselves, and knows about setting goals, but maybe they just haven't really come to know Jesus. Maybe they've been exposed to religion, but they haven't really come to know Jesus yet. I, I wish you'd just think about maybe texting them while you're listening to me talk or and just say, would you, would you tune in to that alamocity.org, um, whether it's Facebook or go to our website or something. There's a guy coming uh, that's going to be speaking this morning that, um, that, that you might, you might want to hear some of what he said. It, you know, former gunslinger, offensive center, 
San Antonio years ago, but, um, but he's got something to say. Rich travels the country. He's, he's been speaking for many years in, in, uh, in public schools to, to high school students, junior high students, giving his testimony, telling them what the Lord has done in his life and has been, has been given amazing uh, freedom to do that. He's also now involved in, in uh, being a chaplain to uh, businessmen and um, uh, he works with a very specific, wonderful Christian-led um, company that um, gives him permission and encourages him to, on a, on a regular, even daily basis in some cases, uh, meet with their leadership. Um, they're Zooming it now, but, but meeting for prayer, meeting for Bible studies. So he, he's involved. He, he still travels to speak with students and so forth, but he's involved with businessmen and companies as well. Um, so I want you to listen to him. I, I, he, he's an evangelist. He's just got that gift. He, he'll just tell folks about what Jesus has done for him and how they can come to know him, and folks will raise their hand and say, I, I want in. I need that. That's what I need. At the end of this broadcast, there's going to be an opportunity for folks who, who have prayed to receive Jesus with Rich to let us know what you've done, and, and uh, we'll have a way for you to contact us, for us to get back in touch with you, if you want to do that, there's no, no pressure uh, at all whatsoever, but, but just so that we can have a sense of, of praying for the folks who, who, have, uh, who have responded to the message of the gospel. Folks, that's what's going to, to bring America back to where it needs to be. There are no politicians smart enough. There's no personality strong enough in a human sense. It's going to take folks coming to know Jesus opening their hearts up and said, Lord, I, I need you. I need a Savior. I need to be rescued from me, not just from other people, but isn't it the truth that we are our own worst enemies and Jesus has the ability to rescue us from ourselves. Therefore, if any man or woman, Paul wrote, be in Christ, he or she is a new creation a new creation in Christ. The old things are passed away and new things have come. I love what the blind man that Jesus healed said when he was being attacked by folks who were in the religious crowd. Who is this Jesus and what's he doing healing at the wrong time of the day or night? And the, and the blind man, who, the man who had been blind, <laughs> looked at him and said, I was blind. But now I see. So what's your problem? If the Lord has brought, if God has brought into my life the ability to see some things and see in a way that I had never been able to see before, how could that not be awesome and a blessing? That's what Jesus wants to do. And that's what he wants to do this morning. Listen to this gifted evangelist who at another season in his life was a professional athlete. But the Lord wanted to set him up using that platform to get him into the lives and into the hearts of many, many thousands across this country to hear the message of Jesus. I once was blind, but now I can see. Jan and Rich and their kids have been a part of Alamo City since almost the beginning of the, of, of the family. And so they're no strangers to us, and we love them. Let me pray for him, and then the next voice you'll hear will be our brother and our friend, Rich Garza. 
Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for Rich. Thank you for your hand upon his life. Thank you for the message, the message from your heart that you have put in him today to deliver to us. We pray that he will know great freedom. We pray that you would anoint him with fresh power, the fresh power of the Spirit of God for this day, for this time. And Lord, I ask that you will cause your spirit to be poured out upon everyone who will hear, not just upon Rich, but that you'll pour out your spirit upon every listener who will be tuning in so that by your spirit, the change that you want to bring, the hope that you want to bring to our hearts will be made possible. In the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you, Rich. Praying for you. Love you. Believe in what Jesus is doing in your life. Amen, amen. What a great pastor. 30 years I've been here, my family and I. My children have been baptized back there in that water baptismal. They played basketball back in the gym. And uh, been here for VBS and always remember sitting with my family in the back. We used to always bring our children in the service. We always sat them in the back just in case we needed to make the getaway. But uh, David Walker and Shirley have been such a blessing to Jan and I and uh, so much wisdom my pastor has given me over the years. And just to be able to sit like many of you and to hear his teaching, his love for Jesus Christ, his love for the Word of God, and it's good to see so many of you today, so many people here this morning and 9 o'clock and listening to me right now, you've prayed for my family and I, you've prayed for me as I've gone on, on the road, and uh, I just want to thank you, you've given so I can go, and I want to just thank you every time I have this opportunity to stand up here on this platform. It's such a blessing. I told Pastor when he asked me a couple months ago if I'd consider, I'd always, I always tell him, and I mean it to be true, this is a highlight, highlight of my year to be able to fill this pulpit. And it's, uh, it's really humbling. To, uh, for, I've known him for a long time, and uh, I praise God for my pastor and his wife and his family. Many of you have, uh, have gotten a habit, if you will, discipline to do what I've been doing for many years. On the 19th of the month, I read the 19th proverb. First of the month, I read the first proverb. It's a devotional built right into the scripture. And I've been doing that for a number of years. I always encourage people, young people, to do it. You don't need an, another devotional, nothing wrong with those, but it's built right into the Bible. And as I was preparing and praying about this message, I had a bunch of scripture that I wanted to share with you this morning. But on Monday, last Monday morning, seven days ago, on the 13th day of the month, I read the 13th proverb, and this verse just got over me, got on me, got in me. Proverbs 13, 13. 13, 13. So many times, I, you know, Pastor said I come out of a sports background and so many times the scripture just jumps out of me and numbers that uh, guys that I played against or played with and God just gives me that way of memorizing scripture. And I grew up in Pennsylvania, like Pastor said, and I was a 
huge 76er fan growing up. Now I'm a San Antonio Spurs fan. One of the things that Pastor didn't tell you, but for the past 24 years, I've been the co-chaplain of the five-time world champion, San Antonio Spurs. So 13, we had a guy back in Philadelphia back in the day, and then he finished up with the Lakers, and he's, he's dead now. But Wilt the Stilt Chamberlain, seven foot, two inches tall, he wore number 13. And then my favorite quarterback of all time, Pennsylvania guy, but he grew up on the ugly part of Pennsylvania near Pittsburgh. I'm on the eastern side. Dante Marino, Dan Marino, wore number 13 with the Miami Dolphins. So 13-13, Proverbs 13-13, and it reads like this. He or she who despises the word of God will be destroyed. He or she who despises, the word despise means neglect. Those who have no reverence for the word of God. Those who have no regard for the word of God. Those who despise it, disregard it. Thumb their nose at it, if you will will be destroyed, will be destroyed. And notice it doesn't say God will destroy them. Here's the way it reads in the Amplified Bible. Those who neglect the word of God, those who reject the word of God, thumb their nose at the word of God, will bring destruction on themselves. God doesn't bring the destruction. God doesn't destroy them. They bring it on themselves. Why? Because they're neglecting They're turning their back on. They're disregarding God's word. Ladies and gentlemen, this is God's word. These 66 books of the Bible are the God of the Bible, the triune God. They're his words. Here's another one to remember, not John 3.16, but 2 Timothy 3.16. Last book that Paul ever wrote before he was executed, he wrote it to the young preacher, Timothy. Big church, pastor of a young preacher in a big church. And you know, some of you know that Timothy had some ailments with his stomach and some people were talking down on him because he was young. And in 2 Timothy 3.16, not John 3.16, 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul told Timothy, all scripture... All scriptures inspired by God. God breathed. Yes, he used Paul. Yes, he used Luke and Joel and Isaiah. But God, scripture are God breathed. God breathed into those men that wrote the scripture. And all scriptures inspired by God. God breathed and it's profitable. It's beneficial for what? Teaching. It's profitable for rebuke. The word of God rebukes us. James says the word of God is like a mirror. When you look into a mirror, you see ourselves. All of us probably before we came here, I know I did a couple times. I looked in the mirror before I got out of my car, see if everything was hanging out of my nose. Was my, my stuff right when I came here? The word of God is a mirror. When we look into the mirror, we see ourselves. 
And many times, the Word of God, when I got two-point at you, I got three-point at, at me, it rebukes us. It says you're not doing your marriage right. You're not training your children right. You're not doing right with your money. That relationship is not right. It rebukes us, but here's the great thing about our God and the God of the Bible and the Word of God. The Word of God puts his arm around us and says, yeah, you're not doing that right, but let me show you how to do it right. It instructs us. That word instruct is like instruction, instructing a child, a young person. That the word of God is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. And it's profitable for teaching, rebuke, correction, that the man or woman of God will be thoroughly equipped, listen to this, for every, everybody say every, every good work, the answer to our life, problems, struggles, is in the Word of God. I'm telling you, those Proverbs... I read them every day, every week, over and over. And I read that 13th proverb over and over. But Monday morning, it jumped out at me. You know what I'm talking about. Those who despise the word, those who thumb their nose at the word, turn their back on their word, disregard the word, have no reverence for the word, could care less about the word. Have, you're bringing, they're bringing destruction on themselves because this is God's word. And there's a song in the Christian word, it's called The Cure by a group called Unspoken. The reason why people are bringing destruction on themselves is because this is God's word and God's word and God of the Bible has the cure for their struggle. That's why they're bringing destruction on themselves. That's why they're being destroyed. That's why their marriage is being destroyed. That's why their finances are being destroyed because they won't do it God's way. Some of you know my favorite chapter in the Bible is Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses. King David's love for the word of God. And the theologians say at the very most, King David maybe had the five books of Moses, maybe. We've got 60, we've got the full canon of Scripture, 66 books. Genesis to Revelation. Monty Williams, who used to be one of our Spurs, he's now the head coach of the Phoenix Suns. Every time he sees me, he calls, great guy, great guy. Had a tragedy a few years ago. His wife was in a car wreck and, and died, went to, be, went to heaven. But every time Monty sees me, he calls me Chaplain 119 because the first year with the Spurs when he was a player, I, used, I brought every one of my chapels that whole, that whole season out of Psalm 119. I would tell him, open up your Bible to Psalm 119. Verse 11, that word I've hidden in my heart that I may not sin against thee. How does a young man keep his way pure? Verse 9, by living according to the scripture. That song that Amy Grant made perfect, made great. Thy word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path, 
love Psalm 119, God's word. And it's verse 89, it says this, the word of God is settled in heaven. It's settled in heaven. Other parts of the scripture, it says that the Bible is refined 70 times 7. Now, all of us know that any multiple of 7 in the scripture means perfect, complete. There's no dross. There's no impurities in the word of God. It is God's word. And people who neglect it, people who turn their back on it, people who thumb their nose on it, not me, but God's word says about itself they're bringing destruction on themselves. They're bringing end to a relationship. Their finances aren't what they should be. The relationship with others is not what it should be. And ladies and gentlemen, God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes. He says in Genesis let us make man and woman in our image, not my image, our image. The Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 10, 30, the Father and I are one. He said in 14, John 14, it's better I go away because when I go away, I'm going to leave you one like myself, the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, he's not only going to live with you, he's going to live in you. He's going to glorify me. God doesn't make mistakes when he created me, a man, and my wife, a woman. He doesn't make a mistake. In Psalm 139, he said, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God doesn't make mistakes when he creates us male and female. He doesn't make a mistake when he talks about marriage being one man and one woman. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't lie. The Bible says about itself, let God be true and every man or woman a liar. This is the word of God. Genesis to Revelation is the word of God. And the reason so many folks are bringing destruction on themselves, there's no victory in their life, is because they've said, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it the way mama always did it. I'm going to do it the way dad always did it. And God is telling us how to live our life in this book. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who created you and I. Jeremiah says he's the potter, we're the clay. The clay doesn't tell the potter what to do. The clay doesn't tell the potter what to make him or her. The potter knows what's best. God knows what's best. It's in the scripture. This is God's word. You know, in Psalm 119, again, there's a couple synonyms for the word of God. Commands, statutes. Well, one of them, the other synonyms for the Word of God in Psalm 119 is testimony. And when you read that, my testimony, your testimonies, David says, it means this. It means a doctor giving the right prescription to a patient. 
In other words, God's word is a good medicine, a good remedy for the trials and tribulations that we're going through in life today. God's word is the right script. It's the right prescription. It's going to work. In that love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, in verse 8, it says, love never fails. It never fails. The word of God never fails. And it speaks to us today because I know so many men and women, young people, are looking for a word for what's happening in the world that we live in today in 2020 in America, around the world. And here's the great promise we have about the scripture. You know, we can quote the great Americans. We can go great men and women of the past. But here's what the word of God says about itself, that my word will not come back void. My word will not come back empty. So what a promise we have, don't we? We need to give people what the Word of God says for 2020. And what does the Word of God say for 2020? It's the same thing he said when back in 1959. Because the Word of God doesn't change. Religion changes. I grew up in a religion that maybe some of you did. It's huge religion, a billion of them all over the world. They said if you touch that little wafer, that host, your fingers will turn to burn off. Now everybody gives it out. Religion changes, but the word of God never changes. It'll never pass away. It says about itself that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. My word will never pass away. Two things will last forever. The word of God and a man or woman, boy or girl, soul. Two things will last forever, the word of God and a person's soul. Psalm 119 said it's good medicine. It works. The reason people are being destroyed for neglecting the word of God, bringing destruction on themselves, because this is God's word. Isaiah said when he was caught up into the temple that his train of his robe filled the whole temple. In Isaiah 62, Isaiah said that the God of the Bible, he uses the earth as a footstool, as an ottoman. The God of the Bible who spoke the sun into existence, who spoke the stars and the moon into existence. It's God's word, the one who created us, male and female. Man and woman cannot create, only God can create. Because create means you take nothing and make everything. Men and women are not creators. Only God and only the God of the Bible can create. He's the potter, we're the clay, he's the creator, he knows us best, he knows what's best for us. In every circumstance that we live. So when we say, no, I'm not going to take that medicine. It's not him that brings destruction. It's not he who brings the destruction on us. We're bringing destruction on ourselves because we refuse 
to take the counsel, the testimony, the word of God. He or she who disregards, turns their back on the word of God will be destroyed. In John 12, verse 48, They call this, this passage of John 12, Jesus' last pastor said I was an evangelist and I believe God has given me that gift and praise God for that. The gifts of God are irrevocable. You maybe remember that message pastor preached many Christmases ago, beginning with New Year's, where he said the gifts of God are irrevocable. There's no take back the gift slip in the gifts that he gives us. We need to find out what gift we have and we need to use it for God's glory. Amen? I remember him preached that people say in the church, oh, I want his gift, I want her gift, I don't want my gift, I'm returning to God. No, there's no return. The gifts of God, they're irrevocable. He's not going to take our gifts back. We need to use them for his glory for the building up of the church and for the good of society, the good of our families and where we live, we live. The word of God from Genesis to Revelation is his word. It's his word. It's settled in heaven. It's never going to change. It's never, ever going to change. It's God's word. And we need to apply it in our life because it's the king of kings, the creator, the one who knows what's best for us. Knows what's best for us. When John 12, they call this Jesus' last crusade because in verse 44 it says Jesus cried out. If you look at this part of scripture chronologically, right after John 12, he's going to be with his disciples on the Last Supper. He's going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane and bleed, pray where blood comes out of his forehead, and then he's going to go to the cross for your sin and my sin. And this is his last shot at the masses, and it says, I've, Jesus cried out, and he makes his statement in verse 48. He said, I didn't come to judge the world. And it's true, Jesus didn't come the first time to judge, but Revelation tells us he's coming back on a white horse and he'll be judging. But he came the first time to save. He said, I didn't come to judge the world, I came to save the world. Listen to what he said in verse 48, 1248, John 1248. But there is one who will judge a man or a woman on the last day. Listen to this. Knock me out. This verse knocked me out. There, one, there will be one who will judge a man or woman, boy or girl on the last day. Listen, the word that I spoke will judge a man or woman on the last day. Do you see why the devil and people that are led by the devil try to keep you and I and our children and grandchildren away from the word of God? 
the ACLU said we need to take those Ten Commandments off the classroom door, that classroom wall. Why? Because it might influence somebody. Don't steal. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't have idols before me. Don't use God's name in vain. We're going to be judged, ladies and gentlemen, not on what Rich Garza said or Billy Graham said, Abraham Lincoln said, our precious pastor said. We're going to be judged on what God's word says. We're going to be judged on what God said. I didn't come to judge, but there'll be one who will judge a man or woman on the last day. The word that I spoke will judge a man or woman on the last day. And he goes on to say this. He says, because the words that I spoke were not my words, but the Father's words. And the Father's words are eternal. What did I tell you, Psalm 119.89? That word is settled in heaven. The Word of God is not going to come down and simulate and fit into somebody's lifestyle in 2020. No, we need to bring the people up to the Word of God. It's settled in heaven. There's no dross. There's no impurities. It can't lie. You can't add to it. It's God's Word. It's God's Word. And we, he or she that despises it disregards it, turns our back on it, thumbs our nose at it, will bring destruction on ourselves, on themselves. The Word of God tells us how to be a husband, wife, young person, Word for 2020, Rich, we need a word settled in heaven. It's always been there. Honor every man and woman, the scripture says. Honor them. What does the word honor mean? Put them in this right place. Esteem them. Why? Because they're made in the image of Almighty God. They're not all God's children. We're not all God's children. I'll get to that in a few minutes. But we're all God's creation. And the word of God says to honor all men. Everybody say all. Yeah, all. What do you, what do you mean by all? All. Honor all men and women. Regard them. Put them in the right place. Esteem them because they're created in the image of God. Word for today, Romans 13. All. Everybody say all. All authority is ordained by God. God didn't make a mistake when he put you in the family with your mom and dad. Well, Rich, I hear it all the time. Oh, I've spoken, Pastor said, I've spoken over three, all glory to God, over three million kids in public schools, 4,000 schools, 47 states, Canada, Mexico, Barbados, South Africa, Jerusalem, Tel Aviv. Oh, Rich, you don't know my mom and dad. Man, Rich, you don't mind my mom, but God doesn't make mistakes. All authorities ordained by God. God has allowed the people in our government to be the leaders of our government. So when we thumb our nose at our government and we talk about our leaders in our government, who we ultimately thumb in our nose at? All authority has been ordained by God. Got real quiet in here. All authority has been ordained by God. First Peter said, what good is it for you to be nice to your boss that's nice to you? Anybody could do that. A dog could do that. 
or when you're being persecuted, persecuted by your boss. Beatitudes say rejoice. Still submit. I know you Bible, people know your Bible. Acts 4, apostle says we obey God rather than man. Yeah, we obey God rather than man when you, they, your, your leader wants you to sell heroin. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Put your kids out there on the streets. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. But the word of God for today, 2020, honor all men and women. Honor all men and women. Put them in the right place because they're made in the image of God. Submit to authority. You know, Jesus paid taxes, right? He went about the ceremonial law with the Pharisees and Sadducees. Oh, he went about that. But he obeyed the law of the land. You remember he paid taxes. He told Peter, go fish. And when you get a fish, my tax money is going to be in there. And yours is going to be in there also, Peter. Jesus obeyed the law of the land. He didn't bother this. He went about the ceremonial law. When they said, don't go to Samaria, they're dogs, man, they're half-breeds. He went right through Samaria because he knew there was a lady waiting for him at the well. He went about their, their ceremonial washing their hands and all that mess. 600 men made commandments the Pharisees had and put them on top of the Ten Commandments and was putting that on people. And Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight to the most religious people that ever walked, the Jews, they said the temple was literally like a bloodbath. It was just blood flowing all the time because every time they said something bad to their wife, he had to go kill a turtle dove. Every time they did something, they had to kill another animal. And Jesus said to the most religious people that ever lived, come to me. Come to me. And here's the way it reads in the original language. Come to me and I'll rest your soul. All you who are weary, all you that are lighting incense and lighting candles and man-made rituals, rituals and man-made sacraments and killing animals, all you Jewish folks, speaking to the most religious people today, Israel, he said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. You're doing all this religiosity, but the guilt of your sin is still on your shoulders. He said, come to me and I'll rest your soul. I'll rest your soul. Then he says something that sounds like a contradiction. Then he says, take my yoke. They've already been on a yoke. But Jesus said, now, take my yoke. Here's the way the Greek language reads, my yoke doesn't rub your neck raw. Religion rubs people's neck raw. But Jesus said, my yoke is pleasant. I've been teaching Psalm 23 to some guys the last couple weeks and, well, really months. And Psalm 23, reading about the shepherd over in Jesus in the Middle East, the shepherd did not drive the sheep in Jesus' day. And in the Middle East, the shepherd led the sheep. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they what? Follow me. They don't they don't drive sheep with dogs and sticks. Jesus is the great shepherd. He leads us. He said, come to me, I'll rest your soul and take my yoke, but my yoke is easy, it's pleasant. I'm not a heavy task master. Why? Because like I said earlier, when he goes away, when we receive the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside us, and he's in that yoke with us, and he leads us, and he guides us.
and he unctions us and he puts a new purpose in our life. The word of God sets people free. The word of God sets people free. It's good medicine, brothers and sisters. The world needs to hear, thus saith the Lord. And when someone tells you, thus saith the Lord, ask them for chapter and verse. Ask them her for chapter and verse. The word of God. We can never exhaust the word of God. The word of God is alive. King James word, it's quick. Martin Luther, the guy who started the Protestant Reformation over 500 years ago, he said in his writings that the word of God used to chase him. The word of God used to chase him. The word of God's alive. Hebrews 4.12 says, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Abel split marrow and bone, soul and spirit, and it's a discerner of the motives of the heart. Word of God is alive. That's why you read David and Goliath when you're in high school and you come back to it as a married man with two children. The Word of God will speak to you right where you're at. It'll speak to you in your circumstance. That's why we can never exhaust the Word of God. Because it meets us where we're at. It's a living book. You read Gone with the Wind 20 years later, it's Gone with the Wind. Moby Dick 20 years later, it's Moby Dick. But the Word of God is alive. The Word of God is quick. The Word of God speaks to us in our circumstances for 2020, just like it was for 1959. And it'll be for 2080. Because the Word of God never changes. He doesn't make mistakes. The Word of God is not going to fit into somebody's lifestyle or some kind of rules that we've come up with in America. You know, we have three things on the books in America that God calls in His Word an abomination. Abomination is probably one of the strongest words that God uses. It's abomination. Word for today, another one of those great Proverbs, Proverbs 6, seven things that the Lord hates. Lion tongue, haughty eyes. Word for 2020, what does haughty eyes mean? You look down on somebody else. You're better than somebody else. No, the Word of God says we're to honor everybody else. We're to esteem them, put them in the right place because they're made in the image of God. If God says he hates something in the scripture, we ought to know what it is. It says he hates haughty eyes, people that look down on other people, people that lie. Check this one out. Run to do evil. He says it's an abomination. He hates it. Run to do evil. How about this one? Shed innocent blood. Shed innocent blood. Think about it. On the books in America. 
No more innocent blood than that little baby inside of mama's womb. No more innocent blood. He hates, he hates people who shed innocent blood, who run to do evil. How about this one? So discourse amongst the brethren. So discourse. Not bring unity, but bring separation. And listen to me, guys, ladies. It's not unity at all cost. One of my other studies, I've been, I was, I'm teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, Beatitudes. People who are blessed are Christians who've received the Lord. That's what the word blessed means in those Beatitudes. Happy is a bad translation. Blessed people are ones who've received the Lord. Blessed people are ones who see the Lord, and those who are blessed are peacemakers, not peace breakers. Peacemakers, not peace breakers, but it's not peace at all costs. It's not no spine, wet noodle, unity at all costs. No. Jesus is called the Prince of, Prince of, yeah, Prince of Peace. But the Prince of Peace said, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring a sword. Because the word of God separates. It's not a contradiction. We're supposed to be peacemakers. What he tells us in 2 Corinthians. New believers, we now have the words of what? Reconciliation. Be, and what's the word of reconciliation? Be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We bring peace to the world by the word of God. It's not peace at all times. It's not tolerant to somebody's lifestyle. That's not what he's talking about. And Jesus won that way as our role model. Yes, we're supposed to be peacemakers, bring peace with God through Jesus Christ. We don't stand up for ourselves, but we sure enough stand up for what the word of God says. We sure enough stand up for a brother or sister in Christ. That's what a peacemaker is. Not milk toast, wet noodle, no spine, unity at all costs. No. No. Word of God for 2020. Honor all men. Submit to authority because all authority is ordained by God. We think this... Stuff in our, what we're seeing in the church today is persecution. Wearing a cloth mask, that's persecution. We think that, what's going to happen when we really get persecuted? Word of God, it's for today. It's for 2020. Respect all men. No matter where they come from. Who they are. Honor them. Put them in the right place. God's word. Submit to authority. Because all authority is ordained by God. We're constantly coming against people that don't agree with us. How are we going to lead them to the Lord? They become our enemies now. Again, I'm not talking about peace at all times. I'm not to talking about tolerance. We stand for what the word of God says. 2020, we need to give people the word of God because the promise again is that my word will never come back empty.
not going to talk to him about a great American and what he said or she said. I give him the word. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to know the word so you can give him the word. Amen? You got to know the word. Coach Pop down in Florida right now, he's putting in the game plan for the Spurs. He's putting in the game plan because why? He don't want his Spurs to look like fools out on the court with no plays. Psalm 14 says the way that the fool says in his heart there's no God. The fool says in his heart there's no God. Well, if a fool says there's no heart, there's no God, then there's no word of God. So we got people in the world, we got people even in the church. Sammy preached out of Hosea. Hosea 4.6 is my favorite verse in Hosea. My people, my people, my people are perishing for lack of knowledge. Doesn't mean they're going to hell, losing their salvation. It means there's no victory in their life. There's no victory in their marriage. There's no victory in their finances. There's no victory in their life. Why? They know more about what Fox News, CNN, Express News, PhD at Texas Tech. No, they know more about them, what they say, what Oprah says, than what the Word says. So my people, my people are perishing. No victory in their life. Why? Those who disregard the word, those who thumb their nose in my word, have brought destruction on themselves. I didn't bring it on them. They brought it on themselves. I gave them the medicine, but they don't want to take the medicine. I created them. I'm the potter or the clay. I created them. I know what's best for them, but they won't receive it. The greatest thing about this book, in my opinion, the greatest thing about it, yes, it's awesome for marriage and training, training children and doing your finances and relationships with the opposite sex. It's all in there. How God didn't make a mistake when he made male and female. He didn't make a mistake when he did marriage, one man, one woman. He didn't make a mistake. He called the other stuff abominations. No matter if it's law in America or not, he says it's an abomination. But the greatest thing about this book, in my opinion, is it tells a man, woman, boy, and girl how they can get from earth to heaven when they die. That's the greatest thing about this book. It tells a man, woman, boy, and girl when they close their eyes on earth, they'll immediately open their eyes in a place where they use gold for asphalt, pearls for gates, Well, there'll never be another heroin needed. There'll never be another death row. There'll never be another murder. There'll never be another shedding of innocent blood. There'll never be another haughty person. There won't be people that run to do evil. There'll never be another abused child in a place called heaven where he sang, I can only imagine. The greatest thing about the Bible, it tells us how we can spend eternity with Jesus Christ forever and ever and forever and ever and forever and ever, forever and ever. As I said earlier, two things will last forever. The Word of God will last forever, and a man or woman's soul will last forever. And that soul will last in heaven or hell. There's no in-between. It's not in the Bible. There's no such thing as a holding tank where people pray you out and you get a little bit refined before you. Boy, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it be? 
Just live the way you want and then spend a little time in purgatory and eventually you'll get to heaven. That'd be pretty cool, right? Ain't like that. Because, ladies and gentlemen, if hell wasn't real, if hell, hell wasn't real, the gnashing of teeth, total isolation, the Bible says you'll be like a blind, totally blind person in hell, and there'll be torment and gnashing of teeth forever and ever and ever. If it wasn't a hell, then it'd be a mockery of Calvary's cross. That Jesus would have went through what he went through before the cross and on the cross. And then... Humanity would just die like a raccoon, just living for now. No, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, studied this. Jesus said over 18, quote, was quoted over 18 times in the four Gospels. He spoke more about eternal judgment in hell than he spoke about heaven. In Luke 16, it talks about the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man went to hell. Lazarus went to the bosom of Abraham in heaven. And the rich man was able to see Abraham and Lazarus. And he said, Abraham, can Lazarus just come and bring a drop of water? I'm in torment. I'm in fire. And better than that, Abraham, can you send Lazarus or someone from heaven to my five brothers that are living just the way I lived? And what did Abraham say to the rich man in hell, in total torment? He said, no, someone leaving heaven to your brothers will not change your brothers. Listen to this, because your brothers have Moses. What does Moses represent? The word, the law. He said, your brothers have Moses and the prophets. Who's the prophets? Everyone who calls himself a believer. We're supposed to be declarers of the gospel. Preachers of the gospel. Be reconciled to God now. He's given us that assignment. 2 Corinthians 5. Be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He told the rich man in hell, your brothers have the law, the word of God, and the prophets. What does Romans 10, 17 say? Faith comes. Faith comes. How's it come? By hearing the story of Jesus Christ, the gospel, the good news. God's word doesn't change. It's always been the blood. Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve's first two kids. The Bible says in Genesis 4, they went to worship. Cain brought the best fruit he had. Abel brought the blood. God said to Cain, I do not receive your, your sacrifice. I reject your sacrifice of fruits and vegetables. And the Bible says Cain was mad. A lot of preachers preach, and maybe there's a second or third application of that passage of jealousy to Abel. No, it wasn't jealousy to Abel. He was mad at God because God said, Cain, I don't, I'm the potter, you're the clay. I created you. I know how to be worshipped, Cain. 
and I don't want fruits and vegetables. I want the blood. Because Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. It's always been about the blood. From Genesis to Revelation, God's word doesn't change. But the great thing about God and his word, as I said earlier, God put his arm around Cain and said, Cain, all you got to do, why are you so downcast? All you got to do is repent, bring me the blood, and all will go well with you. And Cain, like so many today, mad at God. Can't stand God's word when he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father but through me. And instead of killing an animal, Cain killed a human being, his own brother. Instead of killing an animal, giving it to the Lord, all would be well with Cain. He had the Frank Sinatra syndrome. My way. Like billions in our world today, they say, it's my way. I'm going to worship God my way. I don't care what his word says. I don't care what John 3.16 says, for God so loved humanity, he gave us what we needed, a savior. Jesus' name means savior. It means rescuer. Christ is not his last name. It means Messiah. It's your Greek for the Hebrew Messiah, anointed one. Jesus had an assignment when he came to earth live the perfect life for 30 years, and then become the perfect sinless sacrifice. And here's one of my favorite words in the Bible, whosoever, whosoever. After the names of God, my favorite words in the Bible, whosoever. I got a t-shirt that says, I'm a whosoever. Whosoever receives Jesus will not perish, not go to hell forever and ever, but have everlasting life. The greatest thing about the Bible is that verse. People say, Rich, that's a very unloving statement. What about the billion in Africa, the billion in the Middle East? They don't believe Jesus is the only way. Folks, it would not be love. Listen to this, please. It would not be love for God to create us, put us on earth, and say, figure out how to get to heaven. More ways than skin a cat, it's not in the Bible, and it's not biblical. It would not be love for God to create us, put us on earth, and say, figure out how to get to heaven. And hey, man, if you don't figure it out right, you're going to burn in a place called hell forever and ever, complete blindness, gnashing the teeth 24-7. The rest of your being. That would not be love. Put us on earth and be like going to the dentist with a toothache. Doc, I need some help. I'll go home. Anything mama's got at the house, your neighbor got, grandma across town, take maybe some of that. Maybe you'll get well. That's not love. When you got a toothache, man, you want a remedy, don't you? And you want it now. She wouldn't be a loving dentist to send us out of her office. Tell us, how, tell us to figure out how to get well. No, here's love. Here's love. As a matter of fact, God said it's so love. When you put S-O in front of a word, check it out. It means, whew, wow, so. 
Here's love. My son's going to leave heaven. He's going to live the perfect life like no man woman could ever do. And at the end of his 33 years, he's going to take our place on the cross. And his last words on the cross were, it's finished. He didn't say he was finished. He said his assignment was finished. He sits at the right hand of the Father right now and he's praying for us. He's interceding for us because God raised him from the dead three days later and showed the world he's God. And Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. And whosoever receives Jesus. Remember I said not all of us are God's children. John 1.12, pastor speaks it so great and I got it from him. For as many as receive Jesus, appropriate Jesus, take Jesus to call him your very own, your shepherd, your Lord, your Savior. To them he's given the right, the authority to be called, here it is, children of God. We're all God's creation. But only those who've appropriated Jesus. Look at me. Take them to yourself. Call them. It's like that Christmas gift wrapped in green. Your name's on it. Gift don't do you one bit of good. What happens? You appropriate the gift. You receive the gift. People say, how do you know you're born again? You receive the gift. Dead people don't receive the Savior. Ephesians says we're dead in our trespasses and sin. A person has to be regenerated, born again. What would you do with your physical birth to be physically burned? Nothing. Remember Jesus told Nicodemus, you could hear the wind, you could feel the spirit, you see the dust, you see the leaves on the tree, but no one knows when the spirit is going to fall down on a person. I said at chapel after chapel through college, Three years of pro football, April 30th, 1983, Tampa, Florida, at a chapel. Before I was going to go out on ESPN, the Spirit dropped down on Jesus, on Rich Garza's life. And my life had never been the same. That day I appropriated Jesus Christ. I received him as my Lord and my Savior. And my life ain't never been the same. Easy street, peaches and cream. <laughs> he told his disciples, John 16, 33, in this world you will have trials and tribulations. Not you might have them, you will have them. But he said, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. That's why Paul can say I can do all things trusting, leaning, looking to Jesus Christ. Greatest thing about the Word of God, it tells us how to get to heaven. And we can know for sure. First John, five chapters, not the gospel, first John. Uses the word K-N-O-W 32 times. Here's my favorite one, first John 5:13. You who believe in the name of Jesus Christ, you who've received Jesus Christ, these things I've written to you that you may know you have eternal life. We can know. The scripture says we can know 32 times. It's faith in Jesus Christ alone. But I heard old theologians say 
Faith in Jesus Christ alone is never alone. James says it. Faith without works is not saving faith. We don't get saved by our works. But one who has his faith in Jesus, Ephesians 2.10, we're created before the beginning of time to be God's workmen. But the works come after, I'll rest your soul. 11.28, come to me, I'll rest your soul. Then what does he say? Take my yoke, be a disciple, be a learner. We don't learn first. We don't serve first. Philippians says, work out your salvation. Now you got it, work it out. Don't work for it. Now that you got it, now you've received me, work it out. The Lord's going to work it out. Spirit's going to work it out. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, grace you saved through faith, not your own faith, it's a gift of God, not by works that any man shall boast. But verse 10 says, we're his work before the beginning of time. But the works come after. That's why Isaiah said, before Christ, before Jesus, your filth, your good works are like stinking rags in my sight. Before Christ. But when Jesus came, he said, come to me, all you weary, heavy laden, I'll rest your soul. Then be a learner. Be a disciple. Many are listening to me today, and you heard a great word last week if you listened to from Sammy Tippett, and if you've been listening to my pastor, great word. But there might be someone today, you've never received Jesus, and it ain't about me. I just told you. Jesus told the religious man, you see the wind, you feel it, you see the dust, the leaves. You never know when it's going to touch down on a person. And today, you know it. You never felt like this before. You know it's got to be God. He's touched down on your life, and you see it clearly now. You've been born again, so now you can see it clearly. You receive. Receive them. Right where you're at. You don't have to close your eyes. Might be other people in the room. The right thing about our God of the Bible, he reads people's hearts. You don't have to have your eyes closed. Right where you're at. Say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for dying for me. I appropriate you. I take you to myself. I call you my Lord, my Savior. And I only could do that because I've been born again. Tell them this, with your eyes wide open, right there, wherever you're at. I want to be your man. I want to be your woman. I want to live my life for you. I want to obey what you say. Never had that desire before. Tell them it. And as Pastor said on the video, I watch live stream most of the Sundays. There's place on Facebook you could hit, write a little comment. Tell somebody right now, today's my day. The Lord touched down on my life like that old hymn said. He touched me. 
And oh, the love that flooded my soul. Today, July 19, 2020, in the midst of this crazy stuff that's going on in the world, you know that Psalm 23 says, he'll make a banquet in front of our enemies. You think what's happening in the world today, the craziness, you think he's not going to set a table for his kids? You think he's not going to save souls still today? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Tell somebody. Put it in a little response. Testify today's my day. And then come back next week. Get yourself a Bible. If you got one, start reading. Gospel of John. First, second, third John in the back of the Bible. Why? Because it talks about Jesus. Tells you who he is, God in the flesh. What he did for us. Tells you how to live. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Thank you how you preserved it. Oh, atheist Nietzsche said there'd be no more Bibles. And we're still carrying them today. We're still reading them, studying them, obeying them, living our lives by the Bible, the book, the Word of God. Thank you for the Bible, Lord. You kept it. Thank you for how it tells us to be the men and women you've called us to be. But Lord, again, thank you most of all. That this old book tells us how to get to heaven and gives us now as believers the words to give others. Be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.